Welcome to the show, coming to you today from London and from New York, where my guest is Ty Everett, the founding president of Project Babbage, which promises to allow us all to easily use micropayments for all kinds of services and to take control of our online identities. So welcome to the show, Ty. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for doing this. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Let me start by quoting something from your website that I found rather intriguing. It has a headline which is, help revolutionize what it means to use computers and help preserve what it means to be human. That's an amazing ambition, but let's start with the computer side of it because uh, you are going to, as I understand it, provide a platform on which various apps can easily use micropayments according to mm -hmm. with, the, with the powers of BSV, but also control their identities. Tell me a little bit about that to start with, would you? Yes. Uh, so the platform that we're creating enables apps to interact with users in better ways by giving apps access to more of the things that the users have done. And by providing a way for users to really own their identity own their credibility, and be able to take actions. And the actions that the users take are owned by them and not by the application developers or any data silos anymore. So what that enables is for us to use economics as well as sort of these, these proof-of-work type systems to allow people to build a reputation that they themselves own. Because right now, I believe the Internet is a fundamentally bad conductor of value and a bad conductor of people's reputation. On Twitter, on Instagram, I can, I can present myself in any context that I want to present myself. And I have that choice. But when we interact in the physical world, we have evolved over quite a long period of time to ascribe reputation and to understand, you know, who are we talking to? Who is the person who's going to be you know, more of a leader and more of a follower? And to build hierarchies and build social structures around that. But right now, in the digital world, the internet has replaced the physical as the primary mechanism by which we communicate with one another. And unfortunately, that replacement uh, is, is causing some some problems in, in the way that we've, we've gone about organizing our societies. You know, if I, if I have a YouTube channel, for example, if I want to leave YouTube, I have to lose all of the followers and all of the subscribers and all of the things I've built up. Just like if you leave, just like if you were to have left, for example, a, um, a feudal lord's castle uh, and you, you lose everything you worked for and you have to start over. But when we allow people to move between apps and services while retaining ownership over the things that they've done, over the people they've connected with, over the uh, ideas that they've shared, we can enable a better way for value to be conveyed and conducted and assessed. And therefore, we can enable social hierarchies to be constructed in the way that they have been in the physical world, only that, that can now be translated into the digital and into what we would, would refer to, I guess, as, as sort of this metaverse or this, or this metanet. Well, let's just take it sort of step by step. If I mm -hmm. sign up to use Project Babbage, just explain mm -hmm. to me in sort of just practical terms 
how that works and what, what it will mean in, in terms of what I can do with the various apps that are part of the service. So Project Babbage enables the use of a piece of software on your computer. And that software just sits in the background. And what it is, is it's a single identity layer. You have one account, one password, one set of, of keys, so to speak, that, that control the, uh, the, the different ways that apps can interact with you using Bitcoin. And so this is just a little thing that, that pops up and then you, you, know, you enter your phone number and you, 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 you enter a password and then it just sits there. And what happens is all of these different apps can now plug into that and be able to access, with your permission, various aspects of your identity and various aspects of the things that you've been able to create in the past. And apps can then enable people to take actions. Uh, so how it would work is, you know, you want to use a Babbage app. You want to use an app that, that works in this way. That app is going to require Babbage Desktop or the software that we've created, a portal to the metanet, so to speak, to be installed on your computer. Just like how if you wanted to open up a PDF in the early days of the internet, you would need to have Adobe Reader installed. It would just say, go install this if you want to use this. So in that same way, there's going to be more and more apps that pop up, and they're just going to say, go install this if you want to use it. And eventually, uh, once enough people have these things installed, it's going to create a very large network effect of, and a very large incentive to just use this single identity held by the user instead of having to have them go through the friction of creating a whole nother account. Because at the end of the day, the user is the one that controls the things that they do. The user is the one that's accountable for it. And so giving them that single account, that single password that they can use for all of the things that they need to do and making it so that the apps have to log into people instead of the other way around uh, is, re is really going to be beneficial. So from a user perspective, users are just going to see a better internet with better apps that just know what needs to be represented and um, that work without needing all of this excess friction. So it's going to give people a lot more in terms of the experiences and the, the sort of benefits that they're going to be able to receive. Uh, integrating micropayments is another part of that, but, um, but that's the main benefit for users. From the point of view of the apps, do you see existing successful apps being able to plug into this system successfully, or will it be a whole new generation of apps that are specifically created to take advantage of this? I think there's going to be a little bit of both. There's definitely going to need to be a lot of new apps. But if existing apps are smart, if you are a data silo, if you have a bunch of users and a bunch of data, eventually it will make sense for you to voluntarily break down those walls and start moving all of that data that you have on-chain by using Bitcoin transactions to build up a collection of the things that existing users have done and ascribe them and transfer and convey the rights to those things back to the people who have actually created them. And so I think that there is a possibility for existing apps to migrate over, but only by giving people the, the respect of, um, of allowing them to own the, the achievements which they have a right to uh, create it and sort of built up over time. And then from the user's point of view, if I sign up to Project Babbage, there's a financial BSV side of it, a money side of it as well. Do I have to have a wallet and put some money into my Project Babbage account or how does that work? So all of the different apps in Project Babbage 
can use the Babbage desktop to create transactions that interact with Bitcoin, that spend money. And the user sees that they have a balance in Babbage desktop, in the software that we've created. And when that balance runs low, it's, it's, some, it's something that they can, they can top up once, and then maybe they won't even have to think about it for another month because you know, these micropayments are very small. And so you put $10 in and you don't even have to think about it for quite a while. But that same balance carries across all of the different apps that people use. In order to purchase Bitcoin SV, as this ecosystem develops, I mean, right now, this is you know, pre-alpha uh, stage, actually. But people are going to be able to leverage the uh, you know, an on-ramp that, that we define in order to seamlessly purchase whatever amount of, of, uh, of Bitcoin SV that they need in order to drive these micropayment economics and the interactions with apps and services that people can create. And that way the app developers don't have to be concerned with you know, address reuse as a technical term in, in the creation of Bitcoin transactions or managing private keys or dealing with AML and KYC for the on-ramping of, of things. All of these are going to be handled so that the app developers can focus on what really matters, which is taking the past actions that users have done and giving those users a good experience based on those things. Right. But So therefore, is my Project Babbage account effectively a BSV wallet of, of a kind? It's a way that users can hold and manage BSV, but it's not designed as a classic, you open it up and there's a QR code and you can like send and receive money to your friends. What it is, is apps can use the Babbage SDK to create the transactions on their end. So it's their UIs that enable these exchanges. And then there's a permission system so that it'll pop up a little dialog box that says, you know, a certain app would like to spend up to, you know, maybe $10 of BSV in the next week, right? So then you grant that access. And so uh, they can they can spend ten dollars, um, and if they don't within a week, then it's no longer valid. And and so permissions can can enable apps to uh, to obtain access to the amount of uh, satoshis that they need in order to provide whatever services they're providing. But the apps are the ones to provide the user interfaces in a very competitive way, actually, with one another for the exchange of, of value and the uh, the uh, you know the initiation of, of micropayment interactions, etc. So the Babbage desktop software is just a list of the actions that you have taken. So you can pull it up and it just shows, here's your actions. But these are actions that you've taken across every app and every website in the entire ecosystem. And they're just listed like, here's the things that you've done and here's the transactions. But to create an action, you have to use an app that enables you to create that action. And then all of the other apps, if they deem that particular action relevant, can also incorporate it into the decisions they make about showing you a certain UI or giving you a certain experience. So for example, if I make an action that expresses my preference that all of my emails be delivered in Comic Sans, then perhaps other apps, maybe all, all the different email readers would be able to change their behavior based on my expression of preference because they all want to provide me a good UX. And guess what? The apps that provide the best UX are going to get the most people taking actions with those apps. And those app developers are going to then be able to make the most money from the things that they create by providing a good UX, not by creating data silos that lock people in. It's a completely opposite model to what we have now. Right. Well, it is very interesting because when Bitcoin came along, 
one of the things that it was um, supposed to be able to do was to provide the easy exchange of money online. And this was seen as a deficiency of the internet. And it really does very directly address that question. And, and if, if it works, then it really has, you, you'll, you'll create a parallel world on the internet that really makes it very easy to have these microtransactions at very low cost, I guess. It definitely would uh, enable, I mean, one of the biggest things I think that we can achieve here with Bitcoin and, and micropayments is the reduction of economic friction around these things. Because when you don't have to go through a whole bunch of hassle in order to set up agreements and arrangements and have them, have them be affected by you know, all, of these, all of these legacy processes, that creates a lot of overhead and a lot of cost. But when creators can create content and then earn money from it without needing to sign up through all of these different things and depend on you know, revenue that comes from one you know, data broker such as, such as YouTube or, or Facebook or something, when the revenue that people earn comes directly from the people who get the most benefit out of the things that have been created, right? whether it's an app or a piece of content, uh, a video perhaps, a song, artists and creators can get more value out of creating better content because of the reduction in economic friction that is inherent in a micropayment-backed model. And Babbage Desktop's goal, Project Babbage's goal, is to enable a world in which those micropayment-based interactions are made easy enough so that the average developer can build something that leverages this technology, where right now they can't because they have to build all of the underlying infrastructure. We're going to provide that infrastructure, and we're going to provide the framework under which people compete. And the competition is to provide users the best user experience while preserving their privacy, while enabling them to own their identity, and while enabling them to be accountable and build a reputation that other people can see and come to know and respect. And that way we can now enable people to, uh, to interact in more meaningful ways through the digital world. Right. Well, it's interesting, I think, because there have been a number of businesses that started in BSV on the basis that people are worried about uh, their data being used by big businesses and also they don't like advertising. And, and I'm personally not convinced that people are all that worried about either of those things. But you are offering a third thing, which is the efficiency of having your identity in a single place uh, that you only have to enter the details of once. And mm -hmm. that actually that will just make your life easier because you won't have to be filling in mm -hmm. all these forms. And as you say, doing KYC or other things like that. I mean, do you think that is an underexploited opportunity in the BSV world compared to those other arguments that are made about we don't like advertising and so on? All of those arguments definitely have merit, but I think that's definitely one of the things that I'm exploiting more so than some other platforms maybe. I mean, I've never met anybody who actually likes multiple passwords and that likes this idea that I have to log in to five different things with five different emails and five different accounts in order to interact in five different ways. And then when I want to update my profile picture or when I want to change my mailing address, uh, or maybe, you know, if you want to change your legal name or something, update it in five different places in five different silos because, I mean, it's so inefficient for users. Uh, the other thing, though, I think that would um, 
that's going to make a big impact is because of the economic incentives around creating actions with apps, right? So the apps are just the facilitators of user actions. The users own the actions they take. Uh, apps make money when users use their apps to facilitate the things that they want to do. So apps actually have a very strong incentive to interpret user intent into the correct actions and then to provide the users a very good experience based on the actions that they have taken and also the actions that other users have taken, which the app finds relevant to give them. And so the apps that provide that in the best way, the apps that serve people and that understand their intentions and that give them what they want to, uh, what they want to receive in a given context in the best way are the ones that are going to rise to the top. And that structure that enables those sorts of competitions is going to outperform the incentive structure around uh, these, these data silos or these feudal castles, as, as, we, as I like to refer to them, um, like YouTube, because the user experience is going to be so much better that there's going to be just um, people are going to move over because of that. There's going to be more money for everybody who's relevant. There's going to be better experiences for everybody who's relevant. And content creators, artists, people who write code, people who create real value are going to get more of the value that they create because it's not going to be extracted by these large platform operators who force people into using systems uh, that they don't necessarily even want to use because that's where the users are. Users don't want to be held hostage. I don't think people actually think that's a valuable thing. And so because of that, I think we're going to be able to define a system in which people are free to move around between the apps and services that they like. And maybe there's going to be three different messaging apps, but they'll all have my friends. They'll all have the things that I've said, maybe represented in slightly different ways or different contexts, um, or maybe slightly different groups of people. Maybe there's one that's more business oriented and one that's more you know, intimate oriented towards, towards friends and, and such things. But the point is that no one owns these uh, no one owns these interactions except for the people involved. I mean, it's an incredibly ambitious vision. And you, you said mm -hmm. you're at a very early stage. Are you going to need to raise a lot of money and get a whole massive team of developers? Or how are you going to move this thing forward? Well, I guess the first part of that is I've written a lot of code. I've built a lot of these components already. I've created content distribution systems. I've created systems for tracking these actions on-chain using, uh, using these things called state machines, which are ways for businesses to define how they want to represent uh, the actions that have been taken by users. And of course, the Babbage desktop software, key management, and I'm working on, you know, of course, the identity verification and on-ramping and other such things in the, in the background as well. Uh, I'm only one person. I'm the only person on this project presently uh, who's working on this with, with any degree of, uh, you know, uh, consistency at least. And so I'm just going to, you know, get the word out, get the word out about what I've built, get some feedback and, and continue to um, continue to build all of this stuff. We're going to need a community of developers who understand how to use these APIs and technologies to create these sorts of applications. And these applications are going to need to be built um, very widely. Uh, we're going to need a wide variety of different things. And I think that the more people who can learn this stuff early on, it's going to serve them well because they're going to be the first to start benefiting from this new model. And so are you looking for investment? 
I'm open to proposals if they were to come up. I mean, it would be good to, I'm not looking to sell equity, but I would be interested in uh, a debt financing arrangement of some kind. The thing is that that's a deal breaker for most investors. So the reason why I'm looking for, for, for debt financing more so than, than equity is because it's going to create an incentive that drives a much more longer term way of thinking about this. And I think that's very necessary for this project. This is going to be an ecosystem level uh, idea more so than a single, you know, it's going to be like a, I see it as almost like a standards body or some sort of thing where, where we are the sort of um, platform that defines sort of standards around which these apps are constructed. But of course, each app is going to be its own business and its own, its own uh, method of, of, inter of interacting with people. It, it is in a way like a, another internet almost. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's called the metanet. I mean, isn't it great? <laughs> It's, it's like a better internet. That's exactly what my slide says on my presentation. Um, yeah, where, where, where users are the ones that control the, the data, where app developers can't take it away. There's no passwords and economic forces uh, provide better experiences. That's, that's precisely what this is. It is a new version of the internet. And it is a version that I think people are going to really like when they get to understand it. Well, Ty, thank you so much for talking to me today. And it, it's an amazing vision and um, wish you very all the best of luck with it and look yeah, forward it's my it's my pleasure thank you so much for now well thank you bye now many thanks to ty everett next week i'll be speaking to stefan matthews the outgoing ceo of tal the blockchain infrastructure and service provider Stefan has a great overview of the future of BSV, but he's also a man whose connection with Dr. Craig Wright in the early days of Bitcoin is one of the most intriguing. So please join me with Stefan Matthews on next week's CoinGeek Conversations. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.